Hey, everybody. Welcome to Digging Deeper, a podcast of the Glendale Road Church of Christ. I'm Stephen Hunter, the preacher for the Glendale Road Church of Christ, and I hope you're having a great week. We, this week, have been having our family Bible school, what a lot of people would call VBS, and it's going really well. Nice decorations, a good time had by many, and pretty good attendance. So that's... uh, that's kind of what's been going on with us. Now, just want to let you know, next week, there will not be an episode of Digging Deeper because yours truly will be having a staycation. So we can look forward to the week after that, unless the Lord decides to return between now and then. Ah, So the previous few episodes of Digging Deeper, we've been talking about how the Bible was created, and we're going to continue along that particular path today. However, I will probably get a little technical at times, so hopefully that isn't discouraging to anybody, but hopefully uh, you find it fascinating. So when we speak about the Old and New Testaments, there's a word sometimes that you hear, it's called canon. This term is actually used in Galatians 6.16, but it's translated in our English Bibles as rule or standard. So when we speak about the canon of the Bible, we're referring to those 66 books that we have. But in other traditions, they have more books in their Old Testament than we do. These extra books are often referred to as the Apocrypha. Uh, Some folks will refer to them as Deuterocanonical. Deutero meaning second, canonical meaning canon, the second canon. Now, they're considered canonical in... Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox churches, and there may be some others that I'm just unaware of. But the Apocrypha or Deuterocanon is a group of writings that date from between 300 BC and 100 AD, or AD 100. They're books of history, uh, fiction, wisdom literature, and apocalyptic literature. You may have heard of 1st and 2nd Maccabees or the book of Judith. Uh, Ecclesiasticus, or the wisdom of Solomon, and so forth. Now, they do appear in those Old Testaments of our neighbors, but I don't believe the Jews considered them to be divine scripture. Now, some people argue for accepting the Apocrypha based on their inclusion in the Greek Old Testament. Uh, Let me rephrase that. The Greek Old Testament, the earliest... um, full Greek Old Testament that we have dates to the 4th to 5th centuries A.D. And in that manuscript, the Apocrypha or Deuterocanon are included in that particular codex. Remember, the word codex means book. Codices is plural, meaning books. So that's what they used to call them. So that 4th to 5th century codex in the Old Testament has included the books that we would call the Apocrypha. But I've read that they were originally excluded when the Greek Old Testament was translated into Latin. Uh, That happened around, let's say, A.D. 383. Uh, Jerome, who was a theologian at the time, he's the one that translated it into Latin, became the Latin Vulgate, and for centuries was the standard version of the Bible that was used in the Western church. So there are, there are some old manuscripts of the Bible, and one of them is called Codex Vaticanus. 
Codex being book, Vaticanus being the Vatican. So it's the Vatican Codex. Um, this was found in the Vatican Library, and it has almost all Old and New Testaments, plus there are some other books contained in that Codex. It dates to the middle of the 4th century, and in addition to the Old Testament books, it has uh, some of the Apocrypha, and there are also some, some extra material, like on the book of Daniel. Um, yeah, that's right. Okay, sorry, I'm looking through my notes, and I'm kind of fumbling over my words, but, you know, uh, I figure you who are listening are a Christian, and you will have, uh, you will have some grace on me. Now, there's also the Codex Sinaiticus, which was found at Mount Sinai in 1859 by Count Tischendorf at the Monastery of St. Catherine. It dates to the later 4th century, and it has the entire New Testament with about half of the Old Testament in Greek, but it includes some of those books of the Apocrypha as well. Then we get to a 5th century codex, uh, Alexandrinus. Contains the Old Testament in Greek as well as the entire New Testament, but the New Testament adds the first epistle that uh, that is written of by Clement of Rome, which is not necessarily inspired scripture. Alrighty, so um, da, 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 uh, that epistle that Clement wrote to Rome, um, you know, is something very interesting to read. But anyway, these three oldest codices have the inclusion of the book of Judith, Tobit, Wisdom, and Ecclesiasticus. Uh, many have equated these codices with the canon, but that's not necessarily the same. So, okay, so our three oldest codices, that simply means completed books of the Bible that date to the 4th and 5th century, they have the books some of the books in the Old Testament that we call the Apocrypha. But let's go further back in history. Now, the Jewish historian Josephus, who lived in the first century, wrote this in his work against Appian. He says, quote, For we have not an innumerable multitude of books among us, disagreeing from and contradicting one another as the Greeks have, but only 22 books, which contain the records of all the past times, which are justly believed to be divine, and of them five belong to Moses, which contain his laws and traditions of the origin of mankind till his death. But as to the time from the death of Moses till the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, who reigned after Xerxes, the prophets, who were after Moses, wrote down what was done in their times in thirteen books. The remaining four books contain hymns to God and precepts for the conduct of human life. It is true, our history hath been written since Artaxerxes, which is 425 B.C., very particularly, but hath not been esteemed of the like authority with the former by our forefathers, because there hath not been an exact succession of prophets since that time. Okay, the first thing you might have noticed is that Josephus said they only have 22 books, and you may have noticed also four books containing hymns to God. Now, here's some, some information you may not know. So, the book of Psalms we consider as one book, but it's actually four books compiled into one. So, that explains that. And you go, well, now in our Old Testaments, we have more than 22 books. Well, 
here's what you have to think. The books that we call First and Second Samuel were actually First and Second Kings, and they were one book, I believe. And First and Second Kings was three and four kings. So you have some books that are like, for example, the, the, the books that we call the Minor Prophets. There are 12 Minor Prophets, but they're all considered one book, and they're often referred to as the Book of the Twelve. So maybe that gives a little, uh, a little bit of context. So what does Josephus mean by has not been esteemed of like authority? Well, Jews believed, excuse me, they didn't believe that a prophet lived among them during that period between the, what we call the intertestamental period. That's that period from Malachi to Matthew. After the Gentiles defiled the altar, they tore it down and stored the stones in a convenient place until the prophet should come and tell them what to do. They later made someone their leader and high priest forever until a trustworthy prophet should arise. You read this in the book of Maccabees, 1 Maccabees uh, chapter 4, verse 46, and chapter 14, verse 41. Now, between these two events, history even recorded that the distress arose in Israel so great since the prophets ceased appearing among them in 1 Maccabees chapter 9, verse 27. So we've gone back in history. Now we're going to move a little bit forward. We began in the 4th and 5th centuries. Then we went back to the 1st century. We're going to go right now just to the 2nd century. There was an elder named Melito of Sardis, and he gives us the most ancient Christian list of the Old Testament. Let me read. This is contained in Eusebius Ecclesiastical History. Eusebius was, I think, a 4th century uh, historian and bishop, maybe. And so he's quoting from a fragment of Melito of Sardis. So here's the quote. Accordingly, when I went to the east and reached the place where these things were preached and done, I learned accurately the books of the Old Testament, and I sent them to you as written below. These are their names. Of Moses 5, so that's Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Joshua the son of Nun, Judges, Ruth, four of kingdoms, that's 1st, 2nd Samuel and 1st and 2nd Kings, two of Chronicles, the Psalms of David, Solomon's Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, which is also referred to as the Song of Solomon, Job of the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, the Twelve, those are the minor prophets, Daniel, Ezekiel, and there's a book called Esdras, E-S-D-R-A-S. So, you didn't hear, uh, I could be wrong on this, but Esdras may have been um, Ezra and Nehemiah, but I could be wrong on that. Esdras may be its own book. You don't hear about the book of Esther uh, in there. Let's see. Uh, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Yeah, I mean, it pretty much has all that we have. I got to look up Esdras because I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to mislead anybody. Okay, so I was wrong. Okay, so from the list that Melito of Sardis gave in the second century, he doesn't have Nehemiah and Hezekiah, Hezekiah, Nehemiah and Ezra, and also doesn't have the book of Esther, but does include the book of Esdras, uh, which is an apocryphal work. So, glad that I sorted that out. Don't want to lead anybody astray. Now, you get to the 16th century, where there's a Council of Trent. That is historically the first point 
at which the Catholic Church formally recognized the Apocrypha as, quote, divine scripture. They were not included in the original Hebrew scriptures, but were declared, quote, genuine parts of scripture, end quote, by the councils of Jassy in 1642 and Jerusalem in 1672. There is a gentleman by the name of Timothy Ware. Uh, he is an Orthodox theologian, and I believe he holds a position in, in, uh, in Orthodoxy. So let's see here. He writes in his book, his book that is called The Orthodox Church, quote, the Septuagint, that's the Greek Old Testament, the Septuagint contains, in addition, ten further books, not present in the Hebrew, which are known in the Orthodox Church as the Deuterocanonical books. Most Orthodox scholars at present day, however, following the opinion of Athanasius and Jerome, consider that the Deuterocanonical books, although a part of the Bible, stand on a lower footing than the rest of the Old Testament, end quote. So he's, so, you know, the way we look at it, if it's in Scripture, it's divinely inspired. We would not say that there are some books more important than others, uh, which he says. He says they're a part of the Bible, but they stand on a lower footing than the rest of the Old Testament. Now, the Apocrypha does contain some value. Uh, it's value for understanding first century Judaism. For example, you don't read about Pharisees and Sadducees and synagogues uh, in the Old Testament, but there they are in the New. So when the voice of prophecy ceased, these books voiced what happened between those testaments, not only religiously, but also literarily and historically. For example, the two books of the Maccabees detail the struggle of the Jews for religious and political freedom, and they record a heroic period of history. These books also help us understand the spiritual, philosophical, and intellectual life of the Jews before the birth of our Savior. So, as the Bible was put together, now we have, I hope, a little bit of a better understanding about why those books are not included in our Bibles. So anyway, I'll leave you with that. Hope you have a great rest of the week, and Lord willing, we'll see you in a couple weeks.